doing um we are they're new things <laughs> they are and also hello hello i also have to tell you that earlier today i accidentally did this for three seconds by myself fun mm-hmm. it was you trying to shove me out you trying to take the show for yourself yep, how dare you that's exactly what was happening. It was not me making a mistake and accidentally going live. When I meant to hit settings, I hit stream. They both start with an S. Mm-hmm. Except it all goes uh, automatically to videos. So it was really fun because now there's a three-second video of me on all the platforms. Yes. <laughs> I want to take those down. That's cool. <laughs> if anybody sees yeah. that. So how are you? Doing great, thriving oh. in the quarantine apocalypse. Um, hey, by the way, that's Alec. Oh, and that's Jess on the other side of the internets. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, about thriving right now, basically. Yeah, just um, living it up, uh-huh. staying inside. Mm-hmm. I did go outside. I had a bonfire yesterday with me and Maria. Oh, that's fun. Oh, yeah, I saw a photo of that. That's fun. Yeah, nice just- way to get outside the house, but not outside my yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did one of those Kroger pickups today. Is that a nice. count for outside? Actually, I went on a run, too. What am I talking about? That was outside. I thought about going for a run, but I didn't. And I think I'm just going to play DDR later. That's fair. It's really, it was really nice. I like, know. I just couldn't convince myself to do it. Okay. Fair. Fair. Um, I mean, it was a little chill. In your yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, I... Um, I mean, it's weird because everything's the same all the time now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't really have much to report. Uh, I dyed my hair since last time. You've seen it. I don't think the Uh listeners. Yeah. It looks Um, I can kind of see it a little bit on, like, your left side, the blue. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how cliched gay of a move it is until I saw a meme about it of, like, gays dated, like, 10 days into quarantine. It's like, right after I dyed my hair, it was like, a meme of like gays 10 days into quarantine and it was like a picture of like regular hair than dyed hair I'm like fuck that's right I mean I've already dyed my hair Uh, I'm surprised I haven't cut anything yet I cut Maria's hair oh nice yeah I think mine will be shorter by the end of this for sure uh every day I'm like just cut a little bit off today not today yeah yeah can you do this like the Cynthia from Rugrats is that the one? No. Which one was she? Was she, she was the doll. The doll. Oh, was she had the spikes? Yeah. Like the Statue of Liberty spikes, but they were actually hair. Yes, I will yeah. do that. I think I need to get a razor, though. I, I need some, like, bald lines going into that yeah. little. <laughs> no, my roommate might cut my hair. We'll see. And there's a beauty school like a while back. So there's, there's no pressure though. I told her, I was like, if it's going to stress you out, don't do it. But if, you know, if you just want to try something, if you want to, you know, get, get those juices going again. The worst case scenario, you've got three more weeks, four more weeks. I don't know how much longer is March. Exactly. But yeah, other than that, uh, I'm working on a couple projects, which is fun. Ooh. Projects. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm making a diorama for the science fair. Yes. Does it have a volcano? Does it no. Oh. I remember I had to make a diorama. Like I've had to make them like twice in school. And once had to like once was chipmunks for some reason. Like we all had to make animal ones. And for some reason I got chipmunk. And everyone else had like manatee and like exotic. And I'm like, 
chipmunk. <laughs> oh, I love that though. That's fun. Yeah. Um, chipmunks are cute. They're adorable. They're a treat whenever you see them. Um. So I, in like my various stages of corn turning up, I keep planning a party that's going to happen once all this is over. And it's called Jubilee in Life After Love, a quarantine party. And I think now I'm just gonna make everyone bring a diorama with them. Oh, of anything they choose though? Any yeah. habitat? Yeah, any kind of diorama they wanna make. I think you should make people- Whatever you can put in a shoebox, it's interesting. Do I it. Think you should make everybody bring a diorama of their quarantine setup. Yeah. It'd be very therapeutic. I just need to get like all those little alpine, like airplane bottles of booze and just like scatter them around the bottom. <laughs> Maybe a roach or two. <laughs> You mean cockroach, right? Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Dare. Apocalypse. And and dare. Should I show the the listeners, viewers, what I'm wearing? Yes, please do. This is so exciting. And also explain it <laughs> for when we I get some like bumped webcam girl. Yeah, there we go. Is she she's merch? so cute it's strange so guy merch shop love it and i'm uh, launching it next week on the 6th because there's gonna be a sale on threadless wide threadless wide sale so it'll be 15 percent off everything so yeah, some deal we'll, yeah started off with a deal so keep your eye out for that we'll be blasting all our social medias with it so i am here for- to do in quarantine buy our merch <laughs> yep <laughs> Yeah. So other than that, though, oh, wait, you've got an earring in. It keeps like going away in the Zoom, but yeah, look at that. It's the Luke. L E W K. The Luke. Or L U K E. Luke. It's the Luke Perry. Oh, he passed. He's yeah. gone. Oh, he did. Are we not allowed to mention him now? If somebody passes, can they not be mentioned? No, I guess we mentioned Luke Perry. Yeah, we're, we're, we're paying him homage. Remember when he was a dad on Riverdale? I do not, because I didn't watch Riverdale. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I disappointed. No, you don't have to apologize for that. Okay. I'll apologize for bringing Riverdale up. No, I do remember that when I was a little kid, my friend Christina, who, whom you've met, uh, yeah. she loved Luke Perry, and I said it out loud once in front of her mom, and she got very mad at me. Oh, <laughs> don't tell i was like i'm sorry did she think you were ruining her chances with him maybe <laughs> or that her mom would tell maybe yeah her mom would forbid her something like that so, so what's your quarantine beverage uh my quarantine beverage is a good old classic bum ba da da it's a white flower. What flavor? What flavor? This is important. Mm, black cherry. Oh, black cherry. Black cherry. Black cherry. No, it's one of the giant ones that I actually got specifically for today. Uh, just because I was at the store anyway, because we had a egg shortage in our last. Well, we got delivered today. We got a lot of eggs because I ordered three dozen, and then they. They gave me three 18 packs instead. Ooh. They were out of the ones I ordered. And they were like, she clearly wanted an extra what that eggs. Be, 18 eggs on top yeah. of this massive order anyway. Uh, yeah. 
Well, I mean, eggs for days. You can like bake with them, hard boil them, soft boil them, scramble them, poach them. Okay, uh, Bubba. There's a lot. Life is like a box of eggs. Fragile. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the bad thing is, though, they didn't have any flour or yeast. So if anybody knows where to get flour or yeast, uh, please tell me, because baking. My house. Mm. I stocked up. On the, I don't know why, but like, I was like, I just need to buy yeast. If I can make bread, I'll be okay. I mean, so. I, that's totally fair. Um, I haven't really made too much bread yet. I made, um, I made panna chocolate like the first weekend of full lockdown. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I've made Hawaiian sweet rolls twice. Are you going to make them after all of this another time? Yeah, girl, I'm going to make the, the, so I made the roast dinner twice. I'll make it again for us when quarantine's over. Cause it was delicious. Okay, good. Yeah. I've decided I need to, for my next grocery order, Pick something I've never made before to make because I used yeah. to, I don't do that anymore. I pulled out this cookbook my friend Claire gave me that's like Japanese, like soul comfort street food kind of thing. Oh, um, intrigued because yeah, I just have been going ham on anime lately. So oh. I was like, let me look at this cookbook. So I'm thinking I'm gonna try a curry recipe at some point, and I like bought some soba noodles, but like I don't know the stuff to make the sauce. So mm-hmm. I might just cheat and use soy sauce and wasabi and call it a day because I fucking love soba noodles. I think that sounds delicious. I am a little jealous. I uh, can't have that. <laughs> Again, we'll just have like a day after quarantine where we just make each other the foods that we were jealous the other person had. I love that. And it will be like warmer outside too. So it can be all like picnic-y and fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. I adore that actually. Yeah. Us making plans. By yeah. Way, what are you drinking? I think. Oh, it's um, an espresso martini, espresso quarantini. I don't know. They're all cool. um, it's delicious. This is uh, like my second and a half one. So, <laughs> have you ever had? There's, um, I think it's like a brand of vodka called Van Gogh, and they have an espresso flavored vodka. Ooh. Highly recommend. You would love it. It's delicious even on its own like it it's it's kind of bonkers love that yeah should we get to our story i would love to hear a story good because this one is a doozy oh good 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 good. so i think i mentioned this a while ago but for christmas friend of the show jen got (laughs) me two books one of them is called the wicked women of detroit So. It like kind of profiles a lot of like notorious women from Detroit's history. So mm-hmm. I kind of picked one of them today, and I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, a little bit about a building, and then a little bit about one of the inmates at that building. Inmates at that building. Okay. In in my I don't know what you just said. <laughs> I had to slip into an Australian accent for just like this much because Jacinta said she might try and tune in. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's a fun. Uh, what? That's a fun game then. Yeah. Yeah. So um just diving into it, have you ever heard of Detroit's House of Correction? No. Honey, they bring it to you every ball. No. <laughs> Not that kind of house. I was like, what? <laughs> you still haven't seen uh Paris is burning, have you? No. 
That's your homework. Before next episode, watch Paris is Burning. I'm writing it down. Let's give each other homework in the right. episodes of things to watch and or do. Here's like Paris is Burning. I'm actually writing it down. You can see me. I just, I picked up my, my phone. Oh, is that a Detroit Strange sticker? You can get those oh, on our merch store. Merch. Mm-hmm. Hashtag not spons, but kind of spons. I don't know. I don't know how that works. So anyway, uh, it's like the House of Corrections. There like wasn't enough for a full story here, but I just thought I'd mention it because it was interesting. Okay. And it was a, built in 1861 near Eastern Market. Mm-hmm. And the building from the outside looks like, oh, I have, a, I have visual aids. Hold on. Yes. I've got a PowerPoint. Can you see? I can see for sure. Oh, there's my there's my Paris is burning joke. I knew I had it in somewhere. I don't know why you're gagging. They bring it to you every ball. <laughs> so the Detroit House of Corrections. Look at this place. I wrote down that it kind of reminds me of like the arcade at Cedar Point, just from the outside. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was like this prison. It was one of the four state penitentiaries in Michigan at the time. Mm-hmm. And the only one that had a wing dedicated to long-term female prisoners. Oh, wow. So, uh, much less glamorous on the inside. Mm-hmm. It's giving me very Chicago vibes. She had it coming, you know? <laughs> like, that's where cell block tango is happening. Yeah. No, definitely. Especially, they're all, like, stacked on top of each other. And, wow, that's, that's like, super close. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, so... This is the House of Corrections. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, the uniforms. Category is floor length flannel nightmare. Imagine being in prison and having to wear a flannel floor length dress oh, every wow. day. What about July? July and August would be awful. Right. That would be the worst. Also, like, how much dust would you just have? Like, there, there must Their be. Their floors were spotless. Oh. So here's who we want to talk about today. Nellie Pope. Who is she? She's different. Okay. Mm-hmm. So back to the dresses. They wore those as uniform. And I thought this was interesting that check fraud was the go-to crime for early 20th century women. Interesting. Yeah. So wait. Uh, now I'm like, what's happening in the early 20th century that that's like the big thing? But obviously like records were different and stuff too. So I wonder if it was just easier to... Probably just to like forge a check. I don't know how checks work back in the day. I barely know how they work now, to be honest. Maybe not that easy if they all went to jail for it. So, yeah. So, like, many of the female inmates that tried to out the correction were um, short timers for public intoxication, which um, they kind of pointed out in the book the gender bias on this. Okay. In the enforcement of the public intoxication laws. And I have a quote for you. Ooh, in a gilded cafe, the man in the dress suit drinks something to drown his sorrows. He becomes violent and smashes a window, and nothing happens to him. But it isn't so with the old gray-haired castaway. She has troubles, too, and tries to get rid of them. She begs a drink somewhere and then crawls off into the alley. The policeman finds her, rings up the patrol wagon, and off she goes to jail. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah, so like, just kind of like, men are over here like, you know causing ruckus in the saloons and women are just trying to get a drink and then like getting arrested that's bullshit it is it is um also they talked a lot about like they're sewing buttons on the cards and i'm like i have no idea what that means why are they cards? i don't know what that means but that sounds familiar like i feel like i've heard whatever that is but i don't actually know what that means 
Yeah. That would be a fun. Well, we'll we'll follow up on that maybe at some point. Yeah. Or if somebody knows, please follow up for us and tell us. Yeah. So, like I said, it was this was the facility that was the only um, long term facility for women in the state. Okay. And I don't know how familiar you are with Plymouth, Michigan. I've been there. Um, I think it was at the corner of like back in Five Mile. There used to be a women's prison, and that actually like branched off of like the old Detroit building, and that just got demolished. I think like a couple of years ago. Okay. Wow. I remember, I remember seeing it a lot because, like, it was on, like, the route to swim practice. Because, like, we lived in Canton, but, like, we practiced in Novi. So, like, every day we would drive by and Julie would say hi, like, hi, Bernice. And, like. I mean, that makes sense to Canton, or um, uh, back road is, like, the road to get places around there, right? Oh, yeah. Back is the T. (laughs) Back is great. Hey. Uh Back blessed. Um, so here's who we want to talk about today. Nellie Pope. Who is she? She's different. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's the inmate I wanted to focus on. Okay. And she was a very notorious figure in Detroit history. Have you ever heard of her at all? No, I'm very intrigued by this. This is awesome. Yeah. Like when I read the story, I'm like, this is a lifetime movie waiting to happen. Love. Lifetime. If you're listening, I'll write the screenplay. We'll make it happen. Love it. So she was charged with the murder of her husband in what the Detroit Free Press described as one of the most atrocious, cold-blooded, and deliberately planned murders. Okay. My mouth is a gate. Yeah. So we're going to begin on February 2nd, 1985, when William Brousseau walked up to a police constable by the name of Schick to report a murder, one that he himself had done in self-defense. Oh. He led Schick to an apartment on the corner of Michigan and Washington Avenues where Nellie's husband was dead in his armchair, missing the top part of his head and had two other axe wounds. <gasps> Does it say how long like they were married at this point or anything? Like how long they'd been together? Or... Um, I think I have when they got married. Okay, okay. Sorry, go on. Good. So I was about to get, how did we get here? Okay. So like I said, Nellie Pope, her husband's name was Horace, Horace Pope. Dr. Horace Pope. He was a dentist. Mm-hmm. So Horace and Nellie lived in their apartment with their eight-year-old daughter, Bernice, and William Brousseau, their live-in male nurse. So mm-hmm. Nellie had met Horace in California where she was a 20-year-old widow. And she definitely wore the pants in their relationship and enjoyed bossing Horace around. And it mentions that she also had like violent tendencies and like that she once pushed him down a flight of stairs to collect $25 from an insurance policy. That's cold. Right? Which like I did the inflation math and it's only like 750 bucks today. We're pushing so, somebody down a flight of stairs. Yeah. Rude. So, yeah. So like obviously this stuff kind of like Horace wasn't cool with this. He was kind of like wore him down, but like. Mm-hmm. Nellie, like I should mention, Nellie was 6'4". Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is, by today's standards, super tall, but like... Yeah. To quote Jen, fucking Amazon. Because like, in college, I went on a date with a girl who's about my height. Uh And um, looking back now, I'm like, right height, wrong gender. So... (laughs) um, That's fair. Yeah. So fucking Amazon. So, 
he actually tried to get out of the marriage by committing suicide at one point, but was unsuccessful. But that prompted Nellie to take out several large life insurance policies on him. Of course, those good old life insurance policies. Right. I wrote down callback to the Del Rey episode when records sucked back then. So you could just take out as many policies as you wanted from different companies. That's what I was thinking. This has a very uh, episode one vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in 1892, so three years before this murder happened, she was pregnant with a second child but lost it during childbirth. Uh, this changed Nellie and not for the better. Wow. She started taking uh, laudanum. Oh, what's that? I'm glad you asked. I have more slides. Oh, good. Let me present again. So here's Nellie again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, here's laudanum. It's a tincture of alcohol and opium. Oh, that's uh. They look at this bottle in like the bottom right. Laudanum poison. Uh huh. Each fluid ounce contains forty-five and a half grams opium and forty percent alcohol. Wow, that's so she's, yeah. So she started to take the stuff to like basically self-medicate. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um. That's that's intense. Right. Oh. So. Um. Of course, was addictive as shit, like opium and alcohol. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah. So this is also the time William Brousseau entered the picture. So okay. he was working as a barber, but got fired because of Nellie. And like one of the reasons that their, their bond was so close is because they were both um, addicts to landed on opium and morphine. Loud oh, okay. Loud <laughs> So Nellie was able to convince her husband, Horace, that she needed a male living nurse for her fainting spells and heart problems, which I'm like, maybe because you're taking all these drugs? Maybe just stop? I mean, that will do it. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, just stop is also easy advice to give, but hard to to do in certain circumstances. So, Especially with opioids, because they're addictive. Mm -hmm. Um, From what I hear, I can't relate. Um, say, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know, but yeah. I mean, I'm addicted to TikTok right now, so I can't even imagine like actual substances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I spent over a half hour on TikTok yesterday. Wow. I spent like 10 minutes looking at all the videos you had sent me in the past week that I hadn't watched yet, but I loved what? them. They were fine. I love the one with the guy who's like, you need to get back at someone, steal the remotes. You leave oh, yeah. one. Steal all the remotes, leave one, so it's not like where all the remotes go, it's where's the rest of the remotes. Yeah, no, it's totally good advice. I really like the one with the cat with the crock on its head, and I think it's Lady Gaga talking. Amazing, one of a kind, never foreseen, never afraid to reference or not reference. I loved that. I went from an interview that she did when she was on American Horror Story Hotel. I love that even more now. Yeah, Yeah. I uh, watched that uh, cat with the crock on its head a good uh, seven times. At least. I still love the anime girl running late to class one. I'd like my goal is to remake oh, yeah. it because I think it's hilarious. It was good. Not not croc on a cat's head good, but it was good. Fair, fair. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, she convinced her husband to let her lover come work as the living nurse. Mm-hmm. And so he moved into the house, and things really went to shit then because like. You have two, like, drug addict lovers. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the meek husband who, like, 
is this like kind of just getting walked all over and their eight-year-old well i don't know how old she was at this point i think she's five at this point their daughter yeah i mean that's a lot in that house going on yeah and it's an apartment too so it's not even a ha- like they're oh you know, yeah so William kind of became the man of the house and they shared the bedroom and poor Horace pretty much only existed in the kitchen. Oh. Yeah. And Nellie's drug habits got crazy where she was taking 40 drops of laudanum three times a day. That I don't even know the dosage, but I can tell that's like way too many. A lot. I mean, that's yeah. 40 drops three times a day too many, obviously, but wow. Right. Cause like, I knew at some point how much a drop was. I took too many chemistry classes, but mm-hmm. um, crazy. That's nuts. And so, like, junk start, junk and trash started to fill the house and, like, created such a bad stench that, like, neighbors complained. Aww. And I feel bad because, like, Horace, like, didn't leave. He kept sticking around. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if it was made for the daughter's sake, but, like, I wouldn't put up with that bullshit. No, I, no, yeah. And again, I don't know the situation. Anyway, back to February 2nd of 1895. Mm -hmm. So, Brousseau claimed that he did it in self-defense and that Horace had shot at him with a gun and that he was able to knock the gun out of his hand, force him into the rocking chair, and hit him with a hatchet. Oh, that's... And, like, right away, they knew this was bullshit. Like, all the evidence pointed to an attack from behind. And he struck him first from behind, taking off the top of his head. What? Kind of like scalped him. Oh, that's so gross. That's nasty. Yeah, and like so the the way they were determined that like right off the bat is because like Horace was bald in the front but had hair in the back, and there was hair on the hatchet. So there's no way they could have hit him from the front. Oh, this. Oh. And also, he was sitting in a rocking chair. Like, yeah, who gets murdered in a rocking chair? By choice, you know, like who's like, oh God, oh, I'm yeah. trying to kill you. How did I end up in this rocking chair? Well, also, I don't know that murder or people get murdered by choice. I think True. that's called assisted suicide. Um, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> Fair. This isn't a forensics podcast. We haven't no. made that in a while, and I want to mm-hmm. because merch. <laughs> True. It <laughs> would be a fun t shirt. Uh, yeah, no, I like that idea. Also, it's a lot of not podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that came across right. Go on. Tell me more about Nellie Pope. Okay. So the cops were also, the cops were already like suspicious and they asked like, what are you? Hi. And he replied, I have not taken a drink in a long time. To which I wrote, bitch, not the question. Didn't ask you were drunk. They asked you were high. Yeah. So misdirection. Yeah. But the whole time he maintained that Nellie knew nothing about this. Oh. So the police had pieced together what happened based on the evidence. Like I said, they snuck in. They, he snuck up from behind, went to town on his skull, and then fired a revolver in the wall. Fired a revolver into the wall and ran for the cops. Wow. I wrote morphine is one hell of a drug because after drying out in the cell for two days, Brousseau didn't remember the story he told police and didn't even remember the crime. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. And this is when the tide started to change for Nelly. Okay. So Brousseau had agreed to come clean if the cops would protect him from Nelly. 
saying that he was, quote, I am very much afraid of her. Oh, wow. He said that around 2.30 in the morning, Nellie had woken him up, claiming that she needed him. The doctor was in the rocking chair. He didn't remember any of the details of the murder, but said that the blood in his trousers was applied by Nellie. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. And he went on to detail that this wasn't the first attempt Nellie had made on the Horace's life. For six weeks, she kept urging Brousseau to do it, but he was too much of a coward. And she tried six times to build a large fire in the coal stove and leave the top off so he would suffocate because he was in the kitchen. But every time he woke up and opened the window before he died. Uh, yeah, because that's what you do when you can't breathe. Right. Ugh. So then uh, Brousseau claimed that he, that she had planned to kill him by slitting his throat or shooting him. Okay. Uh, he described Nellie as a wicked witch that had entranced him and made him do her bidding. Uh-huh. Which wasn't untrue because, like, he was, you know, basically like her bitch. He was, like, running around. Yeah. All over Detroit to get loud numb from her, like, because I think, like, pharmacies, like, you can only buy, like, so much of it. hmm So, she, like, basically anything Nellie said he did, like, getting loud numb from all over Detroit, paying the uh-huh. premiums on Horace's life insurance policies, and even tailing Horace to make sure he did not change the beneficiary on his policies. Oh, wow. Ugh. Um, it was basically just made it clear that, like, Nellie had complete control over Brousseau. Mm-hmm. And like an interesting analysis, an interesting analogy the book made was that Brousseau was just the weapon, but Nellie was the driving force, like the hand that, like if Brousseau was the gun, she was the hand that pulled the trigger. Oh wow! So this led to Nellie being arrested, which brought heavy scrutiny upon her. Which, like, like I said, she was six four, so people already felt some kind of way about her. Mm-hmm. So Nellie wouldn't talk though. So I think Brousseau, she. Didn't talk to anyone. Cops, reporters, no one. Which only fueled the rumors that the tabloids were thrown out there that day. It talked about how Nellie's first husband had died under mysterious circumstances. Remember I said she was a 20-year-old widow when uh, Horace had met her. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's insane. Yeah. That's, that's just nuts. Yeah. Um, also had stories about how she tried to defraud land from Canadian family and had a hypnotic hold over the men in her life. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like it. And so, like, because I couldn't get her to talk, they decided to bring in a hypnotist called Mademoiselle Chacot to try and get something out of her, but that was unsuccessful, too. And a quote from Mademoiselle Chacot was, I never saw such a woman in my life, and I could do more, no more with her than a bit of stone. Oh. I was like, this bitch was not talking. Yeah. Wow. This convinced Charcot that uh, this overpowering persona was the the reason that she was able to control those around her. Oh, mysterious. Yeah. So this is about um, when Nellie tried to play the victim card here, talking about that she had heart trouble and she needed her medicine. Her medicine being um, a mixture of laudanum and whiskey. Okay. And at first they refused to give it to her, but then she would scream and rattle the bars on her cell until they gave in. That's because it sounds like a dangerous thing to give to her. But they did it. They caved in. That's wow. Yeah. So Brousseau started talking again. Like once he like fully sobered up and he was able to give a coherent testimony. Mm-hmm. 
He said that Nellie had nagged him for days to murder Horace and that the night was just the night she finally enacted the plan. She lured Horace into the rocking chair by playing sick and distracted him by listing her symptoms. She gave a hand signal to the waiting Brousseau that then struck Horace with the hatchet. She commanded that he keep striking Horace, which is why he didn't remember how many times he had hit him. After all was said and done, he said, I staggered back half fainting for I felt the horrible deed. Oh my gosh. So nasty. Yeah. So that's when Nellie's trial happened. She went first because I guess ladies first. And it was not good for her defense because Brousseau was a witness and he was doing whatever he could to implicate her. So he would get like sway his jury, you know, mm-hmm. if he like painted her to be this horrible commanding, whatever, like maybe he would have a chance to get off kind of thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm sounds fam- like a familiar story. Yeah. Yeah. So not to be outdone though, she taught her eight year old child to cry in command just loud enough for the jury to hear. Mm. And Sneaky. that was working until a bystander overheard the child saying, Do I cry now, mama? <laughs> so <That's pretty> bad. <laughs> yeah. So it didn't do good though, because on June 5th, 1985, the guilty verdict was passed down and she got a life sentence. Wow. Oh, well, I mean, Sounds so like being she the, deserved it. Right. So like being the stunt queen that she is, she launched into this big melodramatic fit, clutching her daughter and wailing. Mm-hmm. And the judge asked her, like, do you have any like last words to say before we pass the sentence down? And she said, uh, her last words to the judge before the bailiff separated her and Bernice were, I'm not guilty, Your Honor, and that's all. Oh. That sounds inaccurate. That sounds very yeah. accurate, actually. Right. But um Rousseau got 25 years of hard labor for his part. Oh. So things didn't end there, though. So prison life, like, even after being locked up, she was still making headlines for her antics in Detroit's House of Corrections. And she was thought to thrive off the, notori- thrive off the notoriety she got and would even quiz new inmates about their newspaper, her newspaper coverage. About a year into her life sentence, she tried to feign insanity by claiming she had saw the ghost and it was harassing her. Oh, that's yeah, right. So she claimed Don't that lie was, about ghosts, right? Uh, they are precious, right? I hear about them, but don't lie about ghosts, right? She claimed that it was a ghost of her late doctor husband that he came and stared at her until she nearly died with fright. Ugh. The warden was less than sympathetic and said that if anyone deserved to be haunted, it was her. <laughs> Which I mean, accurate. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> so in 1986, so sometime in the year after she was arrested, she was making headlines again because uh, one Sunday at the prison's religious service where women were seated in the balcony about 10 feet above the male inmates, mm-hmm. uh, Nellie jumped down from the balcony using the male inmates to break her fall and rushed to the priest wailing, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. This bitch jumped off a balcony. She she a little she she a little stunt queen. <laughs> queen. I mean, she's dedicated. Yeah, I guess. I guess that like after that she kind of mellowed out a bit, but still maintained her innocent and tried to become the martyr that was unjustly locked up. Which at this point she'd already pulled so many stunts that like they weren't buying it. She failed many times to get parole. She tried a lot to get parole, just wasn't granted it. Mm-hmm. 
For good um, reason, it sounds like. Right. So Brousseau was at the Jackson State Penitentiary, and he changed his story once again, going back to the self-defense story and claiming that Nellie knew nothing of the attack. Mm-hmm. On his deathbed in 1906, he tried one last time to absolve her by saying, Mrs. Pope had nothing to do with it. She knew nothing about it. Okay. So about a decade later, Nellie was granted parole by from then-Governor Woodbridge Ferris. Public was not a fan. They were like, why are you, why? Mm-hmm. But she got out. So she, as she left the House of Corrections, she told reporters, quote, I want a chance to be good. I want the public to give me a chance. I want fair treatment. I am innocent of the crime for which I have spent a long time in prison. And it has been a long time. A long, long time. Mm-hmm. So she spent the next decade of her life making children's clothes at the Salvation Army and spent her evenings reading the Bible. Oh. Which, like, sure, Jan. Uh, <laughs> but, like, she still wasn't satisfied with just being on parole. She wanted a full pardon for her crimes. Mm-hmm. Which she got in 1928. A full pardon? She got a full pardon of all her crimes from the... I, don't, I didn't write down who the governor was at that time, but, like, she got a full pardon. No. Yeah. That's a that's a yeah. bummer. <laughs> right? Uh. So her daughter Bernice, we didn't forget about her, even though Nellie did. Uh, mm-hmm. basically Bernice, after her father being murdered and her mom behind bars, she was adopted, her name was changed, and she best basically left her old life behind. Um uh-huh. she never visited her mom in prison because of resent. She resented her for being robbed of her family. And by the time her mom was out, she was 27 and wanted nothing to do with her, which I get. Like, doesn't yeah. sound like she was the best mom. No, she sounds pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Nellie respected this, though, which I, like, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she said in an interview, She is married, happy, and has children of her own. Our lives must stay apart. Mm-hmm. So then Nellie died on... In May of 1929, so like a year after she got her pardon. And she's buried in Woodlawn Cemetery. Oh. Which uh, I realize is just up the street from me, and I might yeah. go check it out soon. Yeah. No, I've definitely walked by it, driven by it. It's big. Yeah, I've driven by it a million times. I've never gone in, but I, I don't know. I like kind of like walking through cemeteries. I used to go through the one in Ann Arbor every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I got lost in that one, though. You know what I'm talking about? Like the what, one that was like um kind of around South U area in Ann Arbor. I don't I off the top of my head, yeah, I don't remember that. I know that like, by like the main entrance there's a statue of someone who looks like the Colonel Sanders. Okay. <laughs> Good reference, but I don't remember. <laughs> That's fine. So that kind of wraps the story. I just list my sources before I forget. Like I said, this is from a book called The Wicked Women of Detroit by Tobin T. Book. Uh-huh. Buck. Karen D. Um, <laughs> yeah. And darkcornersofhistory.com, Wikipedia, and the Detroit Free Press articles like via newspaper.com. Newspapers.com. Okay, good. Sounds like some good references. Yeah. So that's the story of Nellie Pope. Love it. That was good. Never heard of her. Very interesting. Right. And like that was just one chapter of this book. So like I'm excited to see what else is up. Yeah, sprinkle in every once in a while. I, might, I probably won't do it for my next episode, but who knows? No, that's cool. I love it. Good yeah. job. Thank you. Done. Um, well, for your reward, my favorite thing, would you like to play a game? I sure would. 
Oh, good. I have one. It's called Two Truths and a Lie. Oh my gosh, never heard about honey plug. Uh, <laughs> um, so since you just uh bought a sewing machine to you know yes. be a maker of all things, uh, I decided to do it about uh sewing machines. Fun. Yeah, so this is about the history of sewing machines. You ready? Yeah. Okay, so fact number one. In 1941, France Taylors uh were very upset that they lost their wages due to a higher production rate provided by machines. And they actually rioted as a result. Okay. The first machine was patented in 1830 by I.M. Singer in France and used to help create uniforms for the French army. Okay. Uh, Sewing machines created the first ever millionaire inventors. Hmm. I'm going to say number two is alive because I'm pretty sure Singer's from Germany. Darn it. You are correct. Yeah. Um, so the first machine was patented in 1830, but not by Singer. He actually did not patent the first machine. He okay. just took pre-existing machines and kind of made them better so that they actually worked a lot better. And he was actually an actor and mechanic previous to that. Uh-huh. And um, by 1860, his company was the largest producer in the world. Was he German or was he French? I don't know that actually off this information. Uh, I don't think he was German though, because uh, sewing machine production was big in France and England. But I mean, I I, I, yeah, I, but I, again, I don't, I don't have information about his, where he's from in, in what I have. You know, um, I think I thought it was Germany. Hmm. So um, back when I worked at GM, mm-hmm. There, we got like a crash course in all the GM brands. At, this, at that time, we still had a European division. Uh-huh. And the European br- automobile brand of Opel started off as a sewing machine company, and they're German. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So wrong reasoning, right answer. Yes, exactly. I mean, you still did it. You still got there. You got the right answer. You won. Oh, my God. By the way, win. Um, a high five. There we go. Do that, like when you did air five in high school, that was very cool. Uh, if you were air fiving someone and like they're across the room, uh-huh. you would just like slap your wrist so it still sounded like a high five. I think that's going to be very cool again in yes the current climate. Air I five mean, <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Yes. Oh. Uh, well, that was fun. I'm so excited to get my sewing machine. Yeah. Uh, and now you know some history. Yes. I'll think about it as I'm sewing my masks. Mm-hmm. I I think you should. I think you mm-hmm. should. I think that about wraps us. How you feeling? Yeah, I mean, so I guess if you want to follow us, yeah. You can follow us on our social media is at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, just Detroit Strange on Facebook. If you want to email us, it's DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And if you have a second, please, uh, you know, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you listen to podcasts. We would love it. Also, we would love to hear from you and how everybody's doing right now. Hopefully everybody's staying safe and yeah. and taking care of themselves, both uh, physically and mentally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let us know. What Do you have any quarantine tips? Like what's been keeping you going through quarantine? Do I? Yeah. Um, I've been trying to get more on a schedule. I'm not doing great at it, but like the days that I do kind of follow it a bit more, I'm a bit better. Uh, hence like trying to like work out and stuff like that or like cook. 
Like anytime uh, I'm like doing something a little more productive, I feel a little better. Um, also, I've really, really made it a point to get outside for at least a couple minutes a day. Yeah, me and Maria walked to the grocery store today, and that was nice. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs a, a little uh, vitamin D. Right. Oh, honey, I need a lot of vitamin D. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think if I have any quarantine tips. Um, watch Paris is Burning if you haven't seen Paris is Burning. Everyone needs to watch that. Good, good advice. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I'm assuming it's good advice. It's great. I think you're going to love it. Okay. I look forward to it. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I think until, until next time. We will, we will be um, doing this on the regular during these circumstances. We'll let you know the day and time of that. Yeah. Yeah. So until next time, stay, stay This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Sex and Violence.